0: And welcome again. I am Robert Barham. This is American Dream Time, the Robert Barham Show. And today, um, I've been looking forward to this episode and this interview for uh, several weeks now. Um, today, I'm here with Anne and Ann Rindoni. Is that correct? That's correct. From the International Coaching Federation, and I myself am a coach. So I've been looking forward to having this coaching conversation for some time. And welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Robert. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Will you tell me just a little bit about yourself, your background, and tell our listeners?
1: Absolutely. Um, I am the vice president of the International Coaching Federation, professional coaches part of the overall organization. <laughs> it's a big organization. Um, but I, I have come out of marketing and communications. Um, that's the easy answer. But I've actually worked across a number of different industries and have found that the common thread that runs across all of it is this whole idea of consumer motivation. So I actually started out in radio um, where I was motivating people to buy ad time or even trying to get them to listen to our station uh, then I moved into advertising. Um, then I went to what a lot of people call the dark side. And I went to work for a client, so a compute, consumer packaged good corporation. And uh, I had a little brief stopover in corporate communications and a foundation. And eventually I came to the coaching industry.
0: Wow. That is a uh, long and circuitous path <laughs> to get to coaching. So now, how how did you actually really get started, though, in coaching Like to begin with?
1: Well, the corporation that I worked for gave me the gift of time, is what I say. Um, I I live in Omaha, Nebraska. They were based here. Their headquarters were here. And they decided to move the headquarters. And not too many of us went with them. So it was in that time that I had, honestly, a huge opportunity just to step back, do some self-reflection, and figure out, well, what do I want to do next? And... uh, Honestly, I had every single assessment that I have ever taken in my life spread out on my dining room table to say, what are these saying to me? Where do I, where should I really go? And all signs pointed to this industry. And I had already had friends and colleagues saying, you should be a coach. You should look into coaching. Um, And then when I did, I realized that it is very similar to a marketing process in that you figure out where are we today? Where do we want to go? What barriers do we have to get there? And you build a plan. You act upon that plan and you check it going all along. And then you look back at your progress and your success. So it it is like marketing, but better because you are truly helping people reach their
0: full potential. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love most about coaching is being able to be of service to other people. And when they're in a place where they could use some help, they can use some assistance in getting from where they are to where they want to be, coaches are there Mm -hmm. for that. And I know that the the industry has really flourished in the last few decades, in particular in in the past, people usually thought of coaches as for sports. But now it's become something global and it's, it's moving everywhere into all different industries. So how has coaching, since you become a coach and you're now working for ICF, how has coaching had an impact, a positive impact on your life?
1: Um, it has had nothing but a positive impact on my life. And as you know, as a coach, To be a good coach, you have to first get your own house in order, right? And so, as I was going through my coach training, it was really eye opening for me in a lot of different ways. So, in the course of my career, um, there was a point at which I just stopped moving up. I was stuck in a same place and I was moving laterally all around. And going through coach training, because it is so self reflective, I had the opportunity to look back objectively at my career and I realized that the reasons why I thought I wasn't moving up were not the reasons. And yeah, so I, so I looked back and I thought, oh my gosh, what impact could coaching have had on my career if I had had a coach? It's very possible that I would have been in a much different place. And in that moment, I said, I don't want anybody else in that situation to get stuck and not know
0: why. So, what can you go back to that moment where you? It sounds to me like what you said is that you had a moment that was like an aha or a realization. Can you? I did. Could you go I back did. to that moment and give me a little bit more depth about, a little more in depth about? Really what happened? Kind of slow down and tell me about what that was like. Sure. Because at least for me, those kinds of moments in, my, in myself, and I've had them before, and in clients that I've worked with, they're profound moments of realization and insight. Yeah, yeah, they, it sounds like it was for you. Yeah,
1: it was. It was um, early on in the training. Um, and one of the things that you learn as a coach is how to listen. And if you haven't been intentional about learning what listening is and how to do it, you think you know, but you don't. And my whole career, (laughs) one of the pieces of feedback I would get is, you know, you just don't listen. And I would say, well, why would you tell somebody who doesn't listen that they don't listen? Do you think they're going to (laughs) listen? And so it was true because I didn't know how to listen to that. I didn't know how to receive and internalize the feedback. So in learning about listening, I found that as people were talking, I would listen for the opening so that I could give my opinion. And so I was more hearing than I was listening. And it was it was a monologue and not a dialogue. So when you are listening, you don't know where the conversation is going to go and that is when you can get to a much different relationship with with yourself, with other people and you can really come to a different understanding and most of the time it probably isn't where you thought the conversation was going to go.
0: What are some of the Can you share just a few distinctions about listening for our (laughs) listeners? Right. We've got our listeners and uh, while they're not waiting to speak, um, that's a different show in the future where we have people call in. We're not having them call in today. But can you share just a couple, two or three distinctions that will help them to improve their own listening?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, So that, that first one is one. You have to pay attention to how you're listening or how you think you're listening and be aware of whether or not you're thinking of the next thing to say or are you actually listening to the question so that then you can answer. So that's that's one of the biggest distinctions um, because while you're thinking of the next thing to say, you're actually not listening because you're off in your own head, right? right? Um, and listening isn't, also just about what you hear. It is every sense. It is what you see. It is also how body language works. So the somatics of listening. Uh-huh. Um, and that includes yourself. You know, so it's that self-awareness of am I making a screwy face? Am I shifting around in my chair? Are they shifting around in their chair? And to be able to listen with your eyes is a lot of the times more impactful than listening to the words. So uh, many coaches still, despite the virtual world that we are so much more in right now, they prefer to conduct their coaching sessions, picks up something very, very different. And in fact, uh, my, my current coach, we're only on the phone. And I wasn't sure about that in the beginning. But I am very glad that I made that decision because all of my coaches prior had been on video, and it 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 is a different experience, and it is a different ability for the person who is being coached to really be more self-reflective. If you're just taking part of the environment and dynamic out,
0: yeah, I find that. What I, somebody once told me I'm I'm a six foot ear which I thought was very funny. They meant they were listening with their whole body. Yeah. And I find even simple things like, for example, um, I've learned a lot about uh, from neurolinguistic linguistic programming, NLP, like eye accessing cues and those sorts of things. Even simple things like just softening your gaze can go a long way to listening with your eyes. Just one small thing.
1: Yes. And so one of my um, coach training cohorts, Gail, I still to this day, I thank her for this. I was talking her through um, reactions that I would get from people and I didn't know why. And she said to me, lift your head. Because I didn't realize as I was listening, I had my head tilted down, which can seem more judgmental. But by simply lifting my head, lifting my chin, it opened up the whole conversation. And even that one little thing has really impacted interactions that I have with other people.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a small gesture that's like reflective of open body language. Yes. Which means open person, which means I'm receptive and listening. Mm -hmm. Nice. Wow. Well, what brought you to the international coaching federation
1: well i had been coaching for a couple of years and i loved it i still love it um because as as we you just said it's so fulfilling to watch someone transform through the process but because i had been in a place of self reflection um and that is a continuous practice for a coach is a reflective practice. I I had to admit to myself that I was not in a place emotionally where I was prepared to dig in and do the hard work of building a business. That is very, very hard work. And um just because of some other things that were going on in my life, I I wasn't capable of doing it. Um so I I really did. I threw it out to God in the universe and I said, okay, something has to break. Either my coaching business has to explode or you got to show me something different. And it was within a day, I'm reading an email, a member email from the ICF and the job opportunity was right there. Wow. And I, I honestly, I thought it was an opportunity to coach. And I opened it up and I, I was, I was like, it is as if I wrote this from my own resume and it was, it was doing a role that I was accustomed to doing in the, in a matrixed environment and some of the things that needed to get done, but it was inside the industry that I had committed myself to. And it, I I just, it wasn't even a question anymore. It's like, well, this is the sign, this is where I'm headed, and this is where I am.
0: Now, was that role the role that you are in now, or was that a different role?
1: Um, at the time, it was a senior director role, which that role evolved into uh, the VP role that I have now. Uh, the major distinction between those two roles, I still manage a global team, but Moving into the VP role of a newly designed structure of the ICF, I am also now the Chief Staff Officer, being the Chief Executive Managing the Board for this organization.
0: And what are some of the other things that are involved in your role at ICF?
1: The Professional Coaches Organization is dedicated to the individual coach and their needs. So within this role, um, my team manages the individual coach membership, as well as the network of chapters that we have around the world. So our, our task is to ensure the global expansion of the coaching industry. And we do that through new member growth, through engaging members to retain membership, and partnering with the chapters um, to bring all of our global strategies to life. So my my team is all remote and they live in every region around the world, which is part of what makes this job so very fascinating.
0: And how long have you been in this role now? How many years?
1: I started in October of 2018. So I'm not quite two years old.
0: Okay. Yeah. I can see by the smile on your face, you seem to really be loving your work. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. Would you share with me? Your definition, your understanding um, of coaching, what is coaching?
1: So I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, the ICF's definition, which is also my definition as an ICF credentialed coach. Um, and because ICF was a pioneer in the industry, they did create the standard and they created the definition of coaching. So coaching is a partnership with your clients. Um, it uses... Thought provoking and creative processes that inspire your clients to maximize their personal or professional potential. So, what does that really mean? (laughs) Um, Coaching is a client driven process, even though it's a partnership. Um, And that distinguishes it from other professions like counseling or mentoring, consulting or training. It is something different because coaches do not dispense advice nor do they draw upon their own personal experience to provide examples or context. So um, the importance of having a trained coach is really rooted in a foundation of the ICF core competencies and abiding by our code of ethics, which insert, in, ensures trust and confidentiality. That is of utmost importance.
0: Nice. Well, now, So we, we have an understanding of what coaching is, at least an operating definition of coaching. By the by, ICF, and how did this profession get started? How did how did coaching really get started? What did it evolve out of sports, or did it come from somewhere else?
1: Um, it well, we're, this is our twenty fifth anniversary year, and in nineteen ninety five, there there was a group of coaches in North America who had started to find each other, and it was founded to help provide some credibility and probably some market differentiation around the the coaching piece. Um, You know, do you wear a whistle or is it something else? Um, But they, they wanted to bring credibility to a profession that was really just still emerging 25 years ago and provide a platform for coaches to really support and learn from each other. So they were passionate and committed coaches. Many of them are still coaches inside of our membership. And uh, the thing that was really amazing about their visionary work was that even though they were just in North America, they had the wherewithal to say, this is international. It needs to be international because the work is so important.
0: So, those, those there are how many, I mean, how many members like that are there who have been? there from the beginning? Do you know?
1: Oh, that I wish I, I wish I could answer that question. We're actually working on how many members do we have as 25-year members. Um, we actually have one of our uh, other VPs who joined us just a, a few weeks ago. Um, she is one of the 25-year members and it's, it's fascinating to tap into her and see what her experience has been over the years.
0: There are so many coaches. How many members are there of, of ICF?
1: So we are in our renewal campaign right now, um, but we are renewing 40,000 members, and typically every year between new members coming in and renewals,
0: um, we grow year on year. Wow, 40,000 coaches. And these coaches are from, uh, they're not all from just the United States. Like you said, they're international. How many different uh, countries are represented by these 40,000 coaches? there are
1: 141 countries represented by coaches and there there are a few members who are this one coach in one country or territory um but we also have we just signed last week our newest ICF chapter so we just welcomed ICF Kazakhstan
0: really? and
1: yeah yeah absolutely and so that brings us to 143 chapters in oh seven i think it's 80 countries now that we have chapters and chapter communities um for icf
0: so somebody, so it is
1: worldwide for sure
0: wow that's really something
1: yeah and
0: what a wow what a wonderful thing i now with that many coaches forty thousand coaches that many nations and nationalities represented there is not a monolithic one single style of coaching can you talk to me about um to, uh, how many different kinds of coaching uh, is there or are there Did you yeah. know?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. So we identify different coaching specialties, which narrows it down to just a few specialties. Uh, and then when you get into niche, that's when it really starts to explode. And there probably isn't a number. Um, but a majority of coaching occurs today in the business environment. So those business-related specialties include executive coaching, leadership coaching, business, organizational coaching, as well as small business coaching. That's well over 60% of the coaching industry is business-related. But then we also have non-business specialties like life and vision coaching. Um, This September, we will get back the results from our survey that we do every four years, which is the largest global coaching uh study that is done um, to understand how the dynamics of those specialties have shifted um because that 60 40 split is from is from 4 years ago and so we we definitely know that we will see a shift in that so you can you you know you can focus it basically on those five there's probably three or four others that you could put in there but those are the ones that um, are a majority of the coaching market now. When you get into that, there are coaching niches, and so when you have a niche to focus on, it really helps you with your. If it's your own personal business, know where to focus and target. Kind of like marketing, right? right? So, for example, um, if you're an executive coach, that's your coaching specialty. Uh, you could have a very specific niche that is women of color who are in their first executive role at a company and you could break it down even further to say inside a specific industry or a specific company so the tighter the niche really the better your business will be is typically what happens and um we we have a branding specialist that uh that mo- that moderates and, and teaches a couple of courses inside our business development series, and he tells the story of the bouncy house coach.
0: Bouncy a- house coach?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So well, I wonder there- if I actually heard you correctly when you-, <laughs> you
1: did. You absolutely did. So this this is a guy who um, I, I believe he he sold bouncy houses at, at one point, and he decided to become a coach, and then he realized, you know. I'd like to work with small business owners, but I would really like to work with people who try to sell and rent out bouncy houses to help them build their businesses. What
0: what is a bouncy house?
1: (laughs) So, you know, those big inflatable um, castles or, you know, whatever the enclosure is that you'll see in people's front or backyards that the kids get in and they bounce up and down because of the air. That's a bouncy house.
0: That kind of thing. Yeah, and a, yeah. He is a coach for that, for people who want to be involved in that sort of business.
1: That is right. No, kidding. That is a, that is a niche for sure. And, uh, he is apparently very successful.
0: Nice. Good for him. Yeah. Now, yeah. If we could go back for just a, well, just a few minutes, um, mm-hmm. you mentioned different sorts of coaching in the beginning there with executive coaching, leadership coaching, life coaching, vision coaching. Can you give me just a really brief, um, uh, description of say, Someone wants to know what executive coaching is.
1: I absolutely can. So executive coaching is typically those people who have the C in front of their name. So the C suite, the CEO, the C M O, the C F O. That is traditionally what executive coaching um, has been defined as. Um, leadership coaching is most, is the most frequently mentioned coaching specialty now. Just with the expansion of coaching and the expansion of uh, the access to coaching and how it has become a more of an enterprise-wide activity, Um, leadership coaching is really those working with high potential individuals, really at any career level, because if anybody's worked in a business, you know that leadership can come at any level from anyone.
0: And I was just thinking about that with Peter Drucker, when he writes about how we're all leaders, we're all executives in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, And and then business and organizational coaching um, helps those who are more business owners and entrepreneurs um, boost their overall performance of their organization. Um, And then you have, I didn't mention earlier, career coaching. Um, And it's funny because my sister always says, oh, she's a career coach. And then I, at, at this point, I've just let her continue to say that, but that's, that's, that's not my coaching specialty. But uh, career coaching focuses on a professional development or a very specific career path. Um, and it can also be part of a job search or a career transition. So there are, there are many career transition companies out there who employ coaches and consultants to help people who have perhaps gone through a layoff. And then the company who has um, laid off that person will supply them some career coaching as part of their um, separation package. But that's not that uh, that is not the only thing that career coaches do.
0: And what about uh, what about life coaching? Did I miss something?
1: No, you didn't. You didn't. I. It's a thank you for for bringing me back around. So um, interestingly, twenty five years ago when the ICF was formed, it. Started out as an association of life, vision, and enhancement coaching, and so today, life and vision coaching is most often found outside of organizations, and it's uh, contracted by individuals really wanting to unlock their inner potential. Now, the in- the the thing I find interesting about any type of coaching is that you you really have to coach the whole person. So even if you're coaching an executive, they still have a life, right? And their life could be their role as an executive, but many times something that is going on in their life outside of work is the thing that is having an impact in their work as an executive. So you really do need to uncover all the different aspects of what's going on in a person's life If it is their 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 partnership, um, their own individual self um, community aspect um, You know all all the different types of non-work related uh, life instances that impact your life
0: Wow, that it's that there really are a lot of different kinds of coaching and Absolutely. it's fascinating to hear that description. That's the best, the bouncy house coaching. I'd, I'd I didn't expect anything like that quite at all. <laughs> so with, with all the different kinds of coaching, um, it's clear that those did not, from what you said, they did not all exist since the inception of coaching. How? What are the ways? How has coaching changed in the past two decades or more?
1: It has changed a ton, um, and. Again, it started out 25 years ago, largely as that one-to-one partnership um, that was life and vision, or if it was inside of an organization, it was mostly reserved for the senior most people in an organization. And it was really seen as a luxury. So the biggest shift over the past 25 years is the shift from life and vision to becoming more widespread and more widely used uh inside of organizations and as part of um a p- part of business related activities um so coaching in its nature it, you'll know this it's 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 agile and it continues to grow um in line with all the changes in the world. So think about what's going on now and how much this COVID experience and now the social justice um, things that that we are dealing with around the world. Both of those things are going to have a massive impact on coaching. Um, But up, up until COVID um, the biggest changes have been, we're really around a shift in the management paradigm and Helping to move people away from this command and control type of leadership to one that is based on inclusion and involvement and participation. And that to me is part of what is so interesting about um, there are social justice initiatives and the things that people are focused on is that in a lot of ways, um, through coaching, mindsets had started to shift away from command and control and to be more inclusive. So, It is purely anecdotal. I don't know how much those two were connected, but we had seen in business, cultures start to change. And so it's just, it's a curiosity to me as a coach, um, how much of that evolving shift in mindset somewhat opened us up to allow this very important topic come to light and to Honestly, start to see a solution happening around the world.
0: Well, now, what are some, are there even, you know, you mentioned with the uh, social justice in the news and with the COVID 19, are there other more recent changes that um, have had a positive impact on the coaching industry? I know the coaching industry is adapting like everyone else is given social justice and COVID 19, but what other mm-hmm. kinds of positive impact? uh has occurred on the coaching industry of in late?
1: I'm I'm going to say technology and artificial intelligence, although there are some people um who who aren't necessarily seeing those as a positive impact, but it is changing the coaching industry. And and here's why. Um, Coaching has been able to experience this explosive growth due in part to technology. And, you know, even within COVID, we saw instantly um, triumph and devastation. Um, some people lost their entire coaching businesses overnight. And that is that is not an exaggeration. Other people said, I have never coached this much in my life. and. We have found that those who had already set up their practice with a virtual element, really leveraging technology, are the coaches who have um, sustained their business and their practice and have, in a lot of cases, expanded it. So we are absolutely in the digital generation, and technology has helped. Coaching go global.
0: Yeah, I mean, as soon as you have uh, access to the web and you have um, some sort of platform like this, like Zoom or Skype or what have you, automatically there is the potential for you to be uh, coaching globally.
1: Yeah, and we just um, two weeks ago finished up our Global Leaders Forum. Um, this is uh, one of the greatest things that the ICF does for our volunteer um chapter leaders. And once a year we we bring them together for training on how to be an effective chapter leader, how to expand coaching within your community and your geography. Um, we were supposed to be in Fort Worth this year. And guess what happened? <laughs> okay. So in in March we made the decision because it, even in March, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago. People were still going. Well, sh- can we travel? Should we travel? The lockdowns hadn't happened yet, and um, because we had seen what had started in 2019 in China, being a global organization, we could see the uh, we, we we could see how COVID was impacting our communities and watching it spread. So. Um, we, we made a decision. We have to go virtual. And we have an incredible um, uh, events and education team who turned around an in-person event to a virtual event. And I'm, I'm telling you this story now because for the first time ever, we were able to include all of the volunteer leaders. There's about 1,400 of them around the world in a virtual event. When typically, it's only one or two from every chapter. So technology allowed us to immediately expand to the entire audience of our volunteer leaders around the world, provide better training to more people that can, in the end, help the entire organization be more successful, be better aligned, and as global connections happened. And that was all because of technology.
0: Nice. Wow. Well, I I want to know if one is an ICF member or one is an ICF coach, what's different about that? What's different and unique?
1: Well, it's not sexy, <laughs> um, but it is at the core of this organization. And that is honestly our code of ethics. And I, I was just telling my uh, my board chair earlier today um, one of the favorite things that I have done so far in my time with the ICF is give a presentation on ethics because it it forced me to go deep into the what and the why, but also um, you know giving it to some of our chapter members it helped me go into where some of the confusions sit between the code of ethics and conflict of interest and all these different things. But the code of ethics really is at the heart of what, what we do. Um, and I, I compare it to, to a family, to my family. So, you know, when we're all together, we are a very close family. We get along well. We, of course, have, you know, whatever typical um, dynamics happen in any family. But we all know how to best represent ourselves, and we all know what to expect and how to behave because we were all brought up on common values. So um, there are expectations set that you don't even have to think about. And then when we think about the ICF. We always talk about it as a family, as this global family. And similar to within your own family, those common set of values, we have those within the ICF as well. We have our core values, and those in the, core, in the code of con, excuse me, the code of ethics is based on those core values. So when we all come together, there is common ground, there is common understanding. And it is it is like we are all um, it's not even alumni I, I think of my my university as well but um, we all come together from the same place for the same reason and then that leads into its global nature so you know it's amazing no matter where you go in the world, if you run into an ICF coach or you go to an ICF chapter, you know who these people are if even just intuitively, maybe not personally but There is a community anywhere in the world that you can connect with as a coach. And that is unique to the ICF.
0: Well, now the core values, can you share just a a few of the core values?
1: So excellence is absolutely one of them. Um, And and excellence is, again, tied to to our standards, um, which are our core competencies, And our code of ethics and and many other things are, you know, the education that we deliver. Um, But it is excellence in coaching, what every ICF coach represents. Um, Respect is another one. And that is really coming forward now more than ever as we're talking about the diversity and inclusion and the stand against violence and inequality. And that is all really rooted in that, that idea of respect.
0: Uh, the, do, you want, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I, um, right now, I, I won't get into the titles, but there's some books I'm reading right now about values and ethics. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, when I look back in my own life, I think about the, the times where I wasn't clear at all about what my values are and those values that I, that I had were, um, if you ask me what they were, they were probably largely unconscious. But when I sat down and began to do conscious values work and to get clear about that, um, uh, it, it was re- a reflective process and it was really helpful and it also aided me in making decisions in my life because it, was, it, it simplified the process. Is this something that is um, in support of my core values? or is this something that is not in support of and not in alignment with my core values and i see my ethical behavior my ethical code as sourcing from my core values if that makes sense
1: that is exactly how we describe the code of ethics is that it's based in the icf values and the code and and its actions behind the codes behind the code flows from those values so you said it perfectly. That's exactly um, the purpose and intent behind the code and behind the values. And they are those those guidelines, those guardrails um, that do help us monitor our own behavior, keep keep ourselves in check. And um, also, when if you are if you do have a reflective practice and and you have high self awareness, if something kicks you wrong in the gut, probably because of something going against your core value. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: So respect, excellence. What else? Uh,
1: integrity. Absolutely, integrity. Um, and you know that's what that's what ethics is all about. Um, you know, we we use a quote when we present this, which is ethics is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is the right thing to do. So that was um, a former associate justice on the Supreme Court who said that. But it's all about that integrity piece, and. It's the, the say-do gap. Are you doing what you say you're going to do? Right. And within the code, the code is based on all the responsibilities a coach has to their clients, to the industry, to themselves, and to the world at large. And integrity is absolutely embedded in that.
0: Then, how does... We've talked about different kinds of coaching like you said, from bouncy coaching to executive <laughs> coaching, right? And, um, everything in between. How does coaching differ around the world globally?
1: So within each geography, we, of course, see cultural differences. Um, and there are differences in terms of how widespread coaching is. In some places, like in the U.S., it's a very well-established profession. Um, but even then, not... Um, I would say, you know, here, I, I think I said at the top that, you know, I live in Nebraska, it is less developed here than it is say in, in New York or DC. Mm -hmm. Um, and what is, what is common across all the geographies around the world is that we, that there is market dilution as well as market relevance. So when you, when you mentioned, did it come out of sports coaching, um, you know, you probably get this too when people ask you, what do you do? And you say, well, I'm a coach. Inevitably, they say, well, what sport? <laughs> and that, that, that is an that instant response. Yeah, so, so here in the U.S., that is typically the relevance gap that we have. But in places like India, a coach there is often translated as a math tutor.
0: Really um, so is, there is a big cultural difference there.
1: Yes, there's a big cultural difference um, in our in our <laughs> Middle East you could in our mi- a
0: coach and they go tell me about polynomials. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, and in, in in our in our Middle East communities, they there actually is not a word to translate coach. So um, this is part of the work that one of the members of my team did. Um, they created an entire lexicon for coaching in the Middle East, and so they created the term that described the activity and and it's actually coaching. They just used the word coaching, but not only did they introduce that into uh, into the language and the lexicon, they very closely defined it by ICF standards.
0: Well now. With the at with uh, that said, and with the advent of uh, COVID, we talked a little bit about this before. But really, how has the coaching industry changed and adapted specifically since the coronavirus?
1: Yes, thank you. So we we mentioned I mentioned um, the Global Leaders Forum, which is again the collection of chapter leaders around the world, and. We started out with just gathering some anecdotal reactions to what was going on, because, you know, that was very different depending upon where in the spread of COVID that you were. So when, when we started out the Global Leaders Forum, it was just hitting the U.S. versus in China, it had been there since mid to late 2019. So we learned that what, what impacted everybody around the world was it instantly hit those people who didn't necessarily have a virtual business. Um, if you had all of your business uh, with one or two companies and those companies shut down, there wasn't necessarily a uh, a, a way that was agreed upon to continue that coaching or coaching as a line item may have been cut as a lot of things a lot of budgets were cut around the world because of this and so that's that's the negative side of it um the positive side of it is that now more than ever it's clear that the world needs coaching
0: yeah
1: and in this time and in these ever shifting everyday changes to our life Coaching is a critical tool to help individuals and companies and teams and groups really know how to manage through the crisis. And so it's an outlet. It is, again, it's a, it's a tool to help people know how to cope and how to find within themselves the way through. So Um, we did launch just last week. Um, I, I mentioned the, the global coaching study, which we're, we're collating all the responses. It'll come out in, um, in, in the fall, but we, we launched a follow-up to that survey all around COVID-19 in the coaching industry. And, uh, you know, our, our partner is Bryce Waterhouse Coopers and within 10 days, we received at least 3,500 responses from 100 countries around the world. So um, we are also going to find out, since we closed the big survey in December, very much before widespread COVID, um, we are also going to learn what is the actual impact on the coaching industry of COVID. So um, it it will be interesting to see for sure. But the, the changes that we've seen um, just to individuals is that they have a deeper sense of purpose of the work that they do. Um, there's been a lot of pro bono coaching to help people in healthcare industry. I, because huh?
0: I, I did want to ask you about the pro bono coaching because with, yeah. with the rise in unemployment and the challenges with so many businesses around the world, um, some people are really in a very, very difficult place So I I wanted to know what the response of ICF was in regards to pro bono coaching and providing those services.
1: Um, So uh, we have a we we already had a pro bono coaching initiative uh, within the ICF Foundation. We did, and those are yeah. So that's the the ICF Ignite projects that we partner with uh, chapters around the world to bring pro bono coaching um, to. Communities, largely in the education space, aligned with the UN Sustainable Goals and their education-specific goal. Um, so we already had that, and then we built on that to um, coordinate a pro bono coaching effort in which it would benefit people in those industries hardest hit by COVID, and that could be either again the healthcare industry, all the way to the travel industry that. As much as shut down. Um, our every single my, <laughs> I say every single one, um, many and most of our chapters also are you know are, are doing their own pro bono initiatives as well. Um, in the middle of this all in May, we had our annual International Coaching Week, which is uh, a celebration of coaching, but it's also a way to uh, expand awareness of what coaching is and there's always a lot of pro bono coaching around it that exploded this year worldwide because of the demand for pro bono and also for an individual coach's need to just give back and help
0: well no that's a i'm 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 so happy to hear that that the coaching has become more accessible during this time to people who have a need for it With all that we've talked about today, I'm curious about what you see as the future of the coaching industry, and uh, I hope we can go into that for a bit.
1: Absolutely, um, and it it might be trite to say, but I absolutely believe it that the future is happening now, and um, you know, and the the future started to shift because of COVID, um, and. Coaching, like so many other things, because of the pandemic, had to adjust, change, and adapt. So we're we're in the middle of learning the impact of this and how do we have to adjust, change, and adapt? And which is which is interesting because that's what coaching is really all about, right? You know, <laughs> where do I want to go and how are we going to adjust to get there? Um, but but beyond that and before COVID. We had already said that the future of coaching really lived in this social progress space, and it was you know we were we were already prepared because our chapters around the world were already in the social progress space. So um, when when the, the the social justice initiatives start, it really accelerated the future of coaching. Thank God. And that is where we believe that it is. So I mentioned before that the world needs coaching now more than ever. And now especially is the time for coaches to be utilized, seen, and heard. So we had already been asking the question, how far can we widen social progress? And uh, the world kind of Handed it to us. And now we are responding as, as an organization, as individual chapters. Um, and I think that is the good news for the world.
0: Are, are there, do you see, for example, um, artificial intelligence being something that uh, is, becomes a challenge? to the coaching industry like yes. the, the tales you hear that everyone's going to lose their job to artificial intelligence or do you see ai as something that's going to integrate um, so
1: yeah that, so, so that go ahead sorry
0: I, I just said do you see it as something that might possibly enhance and integrate coaching
1: um so that was the second half of the of the question um What recent changes have had an impact? And it really is artificial intelligence where people are split, right? Um, But the big thing to remember is what coaching enables and delivers is an empathetic response. Without that, coaching would not be what coaching is. AI cannot mimic an empathetic response so we we it's here it's here and um just like you know if you look at the industrial revolution or the digital revolution um we have to look at this and say okay how do we adapt to this and how do we make sure that we're leveraging ai for the good of the industry and so the, the vision of ICF is to see coaching become an integral part of a thriving society. What AI does within that vision is it does expand the accessibility of coaching to more people. And if, if it is really going to be an integral part, AI is a piece of that. And so AI has fed into our vision and our vision can come true because of artificial intelligence. So um, it, it should not be something to be fearful of. It should be something that we um, learn about, understand, and how do we ensure the quality of, and integrity of coaching can be maintained in a world of artificial intelligence.
0: Wow, is there anything that before I've noticed that uh, we're, our time is beginning to get close to the end is there anything else that you as a coach and uh, as you with your role at ICF were, you want to share that we haven't really covered yet we've just got a couple of few minutes
1: yeah we, we cover a lot of really great stuff, so I appreciate <laughs> the interview i um, I hope it delivered on what you've been so excited
0: about but it, it um, a lot of fun it's uh, i, I I have loved coaching since I had started coaching many years ago, and I've been involved in different kinds of coaching uh, with HeartMath as a HeartMath coach and mentor, and coaching with neurolinguistic programming, and also coaching through, um, I went to school to get certified as a hypnotist and hypnotherapist, and to be able to do what I consider to be a kind of hypno-coaching in that fashion. Um, so. I love coaching in all of its various forms and I have received a lot of coaching uh, myself over the years uh, and mentoring as well. I wanted to see though, if there was something that you could share or would like to share before we take off, because we definitely do want to know also how, how uh, our listeners can find out more about ICF and learn about you too, if they want to contact you.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day with all of the major changes and disruptors in the world. And, you know, even before all of this inside and outside the industry, um, it's, it's really important for coaches to, um, stay on the cutting edge of trends, to be tech savvy, to be purpose driven and ultimately resilient, especially now more than ever. Um, and at the ICF, uh, we We do find that that is possible through this shared sense of purpose and um, part part of what we bring forward to our members through our foundation, but it's true of the entire organization is that um, enabling this rise of human consciousness now more than ever and people's potential through coaching um, could be one of the Deepest roots of the solutions that we're working through now. So, uh, if you want to know more about the International Coaching Federation, uh, you can find us at coachfederation.org.
0: Excellent. And thank you very much for being here today. And I hope that we will continue the conversation together again in the future. And uh, so, please come back again. Will you?
1: I absolutely will, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. This was great today.
0: Yeah, it was a pleasure. My name is Robert Barham. This is Robert Barham show. You're listening to American Dream Time, And today we've been talking about coaching. Tune in again next episode. We'll see you until then.